everyone. Welcome to Pink Shade with Aaron Martin, the podcast where we talk about all the shows we are addicted to, plus the reality stars we love even when we're giving them the side eye. I am here today with Gretchen Bonaduce of Breaking Bonaduce, the absolute best reality show of the mid-2000s. I don't know about you guys, but I was riveted, glued to my screen, watching the two seasons of Breaking Bonaduce when it was on because it was raw, it was real, and as you're going to hear today in Gretchen's interview, it was truly a look into what was going on in a household with very little filtering or whitewashing of the reality of a pretty dysfunctional situation. And I think Gretchen's bravery and Danny Bataduji's bravery in putting that show out there for the world to see was a good teaching tool for a lot of people who are battling addiction or living with a person who is battling addiction. And it was just, um, it was something really different for its time. Now we've seen a lot of shows like this since then, and we've seen some more polished and some less polished as those of you who are watching love after lockup with me are, are witnessing firsthand. But I feel like reality TV is really moving back to the genre moving away from possibly the overly produced housewives and Bravo-esque types of shows and into the grittier subjects and grittier reality, truly reality, that um, things like Breaking Wanda Duce did for us. So before we get to Gretchen's interview, let me just tell you a little bit about what she shares with us. She talks about, of course, her reality TV time. Um, both in front of the camera and behind the camera, because she was also a producer on several reality TV shows, Breaking Bonaduce being one of them, but she also pitched and produced shows after that that she gets into. She also has some really interesting and sharp, on-point advice for reality TV personalities today, especially in the age of social media, and especially when it comes to putting your kids on a reality TV show. She talks about her new book, which is coming out in June, which I am definitely pre-ordering on Amazon. It's called Surviving Agent Orange and Other Things I Learned from Being Thrown Under the Partridge Family Bus, which is a fantastic and hilarious title. And as you're going to hear when she talks, she is candid and open and insightful and really has had quite an interesting life. So it is going to be a fantastic read. It's going to be a perfect summer read. And I would encourage all of you to go to the show notes. You can click on Amazon and pre-order the book there. If you would like to enter a contest for the podcast, I'm going to be announcing those details right now. I have been posting some pictures of some pink shade metal water bottles that um, we're going to be doing giveaways for in the next few weeks, probably all through February, maybe even into March, depending on how long supplies last. (laughs) We'll see. And if you'd like to enter to win a pink shade water bottle, they're BPA free dishwasher safe, and they're super cute. You just have to follow me on Instagram at Erin Leah Martin and post a photo of you listening to the podcast 
or a fun photo of your favorite reality TV personality or a reality TV meme. If you don't want a picture of you on there, that's fine. Just something related to what we talk about or what you enjoy in our many, many reality TV topics. And leave a fun comment about why you love listening to Pink Shade and why you love snarking with us um, in the Pink Shade group. And if you haven't joined the Pink Shade Facebook group yet, please do. Pink Shade with Aaron Martin on Facebook. We have a ball over there, and we have got some serious detectives who uncover some amazing, amazing dirt. So get over there. So back to the details, though. Follow me on Instagram, post a photo, leave a comment, and then just tag me on your photo, on your post, and hashtag pink shade. So hashtag pink shade, comment, photo, tag me. I will announce three winners every Monday in February, and I will mail a bottle right out to you with a little note. So if you're interested in just purchasing a water bottle, join the Facebook group, and I will be posting details there at the end of this week on pricing. I just need to see how much shipping is going to be, and I can um, also get one to you if you just want to buy one. But I will give you one for free if you have a little fun on Instagram. So without further ado, we are going to get into Gretchen's interview. I absolutely love talking to her. She's amazing. She is just a girl's girl, and you are going to love listening to her today. So Gretchen, thank you for being with us today. I am so excited to talk to you. Erin, I cannot even begin to tell you how I am just overjoyed that anyone is interested in me at all. So thank you for having me on. (laughs) We are totally interested in you. I was telling you a little bit about how our mutual friend Shira, who used to write for the Huffington Post, when she interviewed you, I just had a lot of people interested in asking you questions and seeing what you're doing now. And I, as soon as your interview came out with her, I just ate it up because I, for one, watched every single episode of Breaking Bonaduce, and I remember you from that. I remember specific scenes. I think I reached out to you and told you I remembered when you wrote the, or you painted that whole Foo Fighters lyrics for him. Oh, so yeah. That's and like, he got mad. Remember? He did yes. not like that gift. <laughs> I remember all of that. I remember. Yes. It's and it was really. I looked back. What was that? Two thousand five, two thousand six. Yes, the show ran. Do you want to? Well, let's start there because then I want to get into everything you're doing now, which is a lot. But sure. If you would just take us back for a moment, did that show start as something else and then morph into what it was, or did you know right away what that show was going to be? No, um, the pilot that we shot was called Rock and Roll Dinner Party. And it was where rock stars would come over and it was a potluck. So they had to bring like their favorite meal. And then we sat around and taped the dinner party. And um, so we had Terry Nunn from Berlin was there, Janice Dickinson, uh, some girl from, uh, I want to say she was from the first Survivor, one of those shows, uh, and a couple other people. And uh, it was the BH1 ended up going, you know what? We don't really like this concept, but we love you too. So we'd like to give you two a show. And so that was what the concept was originally was rock and roll dinner party. Oh my gosh. Janice Dickinson. 
Yeah, she's wild. She's pretty crazy. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we did not intend to do that show. That was, I don't think we would have been brave enough to do that show. Uh, I certainly would not have put my children on the show had I known that was the way things were going to go. The only component that we were going to do in the show that we ended up doing in the show that aired, the Breaking Bonaduce show, was uh, the... um, Dr. Gary, the counseling, because we had had a lot of problems with infidelity and I wanted to address that. You know, I lived in a town and it's just so apropos now where nobody talks about it. You know, all these people do all this horrible, bad behavior and nobody calls anybody on it. And I wanted to talk about it. You know, it's everyone thinks it's so much fun to be married to somebody famous and there's a lot of temptation for people. And if you are not of solid character and have a great moral backbone, you're just not going to be able to get through this town. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's a good point because most of us, me included, I mean, our husbands are out there. Nobody knows who they are. They go to work. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not, they're not some kind of name who attracts attention just because of the fame or the, whatever it is, the spotlight. So that is an interesting conundrum. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, I You wouldn't believe the things I have seen. Literally women offering to uh, have sex with Danny in the bathrooms at appearances. It's pretty disgusting. Uh, and so you have to put up with a lot of that. But I always found the nicer you were to them, the more it would shut them down. The meaner you were, it sort of egged them on. So I was pretty good at least in front of my face, you know, shutting right. them down. <laughs> right. But you can say anything you want then when they're out of your eyesight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. So that, so, but there was, I remember that there was infidelity and that's sort of the way that was the first episode. You guys outed that right away. That issue. I was so happy to be able to talk about that. And we never really dealt with it until the show was taping because I was very adamant that if we were going to do this, We weren't going to recreate conversations. Like I wanted this to be real. And at the time there, I don't even think since our show, anything's been real. We really did not manufacture anything on that show. Um, And so when we were dealing with those situations, obviously we both were very upset about everything. And I think Danny always kind of felt like Dr. Gary would side with me. And I'm thinking, how can he side with you? You are, you know, verbally abusive and you cheat. What guy is going to side with you? Right. Your counselor. Right. It wasn't about taking sides. It was just like good behavior and bad behavior. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. And um, there was a, a, an episode where he just kept demanding that I should tell him I was in love with him. And I'm thinking to myself, everyone's going to think I'm a nutcase if I say that with the way you're acting and you're not being very lovable right now. And I'm not going to say it. And that was the episode where he hit the cup and broke it on his head. Yep. Do you remember that? Yeah. I remember so, that. Yeah. So I just wanted to do something that might make a difference, might help people and be really, really truthful. And that's what I think we did. I agree with you. I think you did that too. I mean, I will without going into too much detail, say that I connected to it because I have those similar issues in my family of origin. So I completely connected to watching your show. I was riveted because it didn't exactly what you said. It didn't feel like a show. So it's Mm -hmm. it's neat to hear that from you that you didn't recreate anything. I felt like I was watching real life and it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. I mean, I'm sure you lived it. I'm sure it was heartbreaking on 
a level that I'll never understand from you living it. But I was like, this is real. Like, this is really um, what's happening in their lives right now. Yeah. Do you well, feel like I it helped people? Did people reach out to you? Totally. We both ended up getting so much mail from people that were having addiction issues. Yep. Women that uh, were in really bad marriages and trying really hard to help their partner. Um, you know, it, uh, we got so much mail and I, I just was very, very proud of the show that we did. And people would always ask me, oh, well, do you think, you know, being on TV ended up causing you to have a divorce? I'm like, no, that was happening to me. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't say that we were heading towards divorce. I think we were trying very hard to work things out through counseling. And uh, so when people ask me, do you feel like you ended up getting a divorce because you put your marriage on TV? And I feel 100% that was happening to me, whether the cameras were running or not, you know, so I never felt like that had anything to do with our marriage, you know, it was addiction and cheating and all those issues. It wasn't about being on TV. Right. The TV just highlighted what you were already going through. The only thing maybe that made a difference was I was braver. There might have been things I might have let slide that I didn't, you know, because I felt like, oh, I have a camera crew here. So what's he going to do if I call him out on this? It's <laughs> so. really interesting. That I mean, I love hearing you say that. That's such a different perspective than, say, a lot of the housewives, the real housewives world, because I'm in that world so much, Gretchen. It's just, ugh. So I'm writing about that a lot. I'm watching those shows. You know, I, I love them for the shows they are, but I realize how manufactured a lot of it is. And a lot of those reality personalities will hide things in their marriage because the cameras are there. But you're saying the opposite. I, we were the opposite. We definitely were the opposite. And uh, I think it was brave. You know, I think it was. I do too. Uh, the person that is the most brave is Danny. You know, that he allowed that because sometimes it didn't make him look very good. And I think he was far more brave than I was. <laughs> so he, he really showed how he was unraveling. You know? He was. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I think, um, I will say with with uh, reality TV shows is they do know what buttons to push. You know, they know what how to get a reaction out of you. And they were constantly reinforcing, oh, my God, this is crazy. You're so crazy. You know, and that kind of egged him on somewhat, I think. Really? So you mean producers would actually have a back and forth with him like that? Well, I don't know that they actually spoke about it, you know, during while we were filming. But I'm, I, my point is that that's what reality people want. If they don't have controversy, they don't really have much. So to constantly reinforce when people are on reality TVs, bad behavior gives you a better show, you know. So, so uh, I'll give you an example. For instance, um, we did an episode where my girlfriends threw me a birthday party. And uh, I said to my girlfriend, don't even tell me. I don't want to know what you plan. I'm just going to show up because I want it to be how I would react. You know, like, again, I was so hell bent on making sure that this was true and what was happening and we weren't recreating things. So then when I found out that there were going to be strippers, I was 
like, oh my God, I can't have this. I can't have this. So I was asking one of my girlfriends, would you please just pretend to be me? They won't know it's not me because Danny's, I know will be really upset about this. And he ended up finding out that there were going to be strippers. So that episode where he was like, jumping into someone's car, going, take me to the W. And if anyone is wearing less than a turtleneck, I'm going to shake their foundation. Um, Yeah, which, you know, they played and played and played that scene over and over again. But um, so we already knew that he was upset about that. So when season two came around, they sent Danny to Mexico City because they are, from what I understand, our show was number one in 22 Latin American countries. So they would dub it in Spanish. So they had Danny go down to talk to the actors and um, coach them on how to be him, how to be me. And they showed that scene. So right off the bat, season two was off to a bad start because now he was really mad again. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is 22 countries. It was number one in Latin America. That's what I heard. I had read that it was translated to destroying Baduce in Spanish. Uh, I think it was. I think it had different names. I think in England it was my reality show breakdown. Yeah, I think it just depended on the country, the name they used. But, you know, these poor voiceover actors look so scared because he's yelling at them going, you're not mad enough. (laughs) (laughs) And then the one lady's like me, oh, daddy, oh, daddy. (laughs) Well, it's like, because you're right, though, that's and I'm part of it. I'm implicit in it, you know, as a writer for reviewing these shows and recapping them and doing a podcast. We do want to see the drama. Where where it really gets troubling to me is when, like what, what you were pointing out, when people have fake drama and they're amping it up for the cameras and then we're all talking about that as if it's real. And then we're I all- I can't watch it. We're I all just duped. can't. <laughs> we're all yeah. duped. We're like, yeah. what? What are we even talking about? This isn't even yeah. real. No, I, I just, I rarely ever watch reality shows because they're just so manufactured. I can't take it. I'm like, that did not happen. That is not, ha-, you know, where I, I just didn't want that for us. So dumb. Oh my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I mean, I, I've been up for the housewives of Beverly Hills, but I'm just, I, I probably have as much money as some of those people, but I don't live like them. You know, I don't own any Christian Louboutin shoes. I don't own any Prada anything. You know, I drive a Ford. So, you know, they have a certain thing that they want. And that's people that live like that, live large. And I'm just not like that. You know, I have Good things. For you. I'm not an idiot with my money. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I am. Well, next thing you know, though, these housewives, they're showing this larger than life lifestyle. And then it all becomes it's all ends up being smoke and mirrors. And they're filing for bankruptcy or find out they don't own their home. It's just it's it's tough. Yeah, it is. It is. And I just really didn't want us to do that. And and we didn't, you know, so uh, so I don't really watch those kind. I haven't I couldn't even tell you anything. I, I watched one episode of. Housewives of the OC, because I have friends whose sister was cast on the show. And there was some controversy at a funeral that I happened to be at. So I watched the episode and I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst stupid thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I'm like, it's the same storyline for every single house. It's like, he cheated on me. I have cancer. Like the same over and over and over. 
I'm like, how many times can they redo the story with different people? It's always the same issues. It is getting, we've been talking about that in circles for a long time. It's getting so stale. They need to do a complete overhaul or just, or just create a whole new idea at this point. You know, it's, it's, it's time for a new idea, I think. I uh, pitch reality shows. I've had several options by production companies. Uh, well, I was executive producer on Breaking Bonaduce, of course. Then Danny and I declined to do a third season because we're like, we're going to get a divorce if we do a third season. And now that we ended up getting divorced, I kind of wish we would have done it because I could have used the money. <laughs> but uh, but uh, we ended up giving them, I know my kid's the next child star as, uh, as a, a different idea. And they ended up doing that show. And Danny and I executive produced on that. Then after uh, those two shows, I was cast on a show called Give Me My Reality Show. And it was a lot of D-listers like myself. I mean, I think even now I'm even further down than a D-lister. But at that time, you probably could have said I was a D-lister. It was me, Kato Kalin, Tracy Bingham, Susan Olsen, who I love and adore and was one of my close friends, Cindy Brady. Um, So we went on the show and we had to shoot a reality show, then America voted on who they wanted to win. So I just made a complete ass out of myself because I knew I can't win. I don't have an American Idol following. I don't have a Baywatch following. So I'm just going to act like a dumbass on TV. And then somehow I won. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. I don't remember. Why have I not seen that? I need to go back and check that out. Is that on YouTube somewhere? You know what? I think it might be on Hulu or something, but it was called Give Me My Reality Show, and it originally was on Fox Reality. Okay. And so I won that show. So then the first four episodes were uh, trying to win, and then the last four episodes, whoever won, got the last four episodes. So um, I did that show, and then I've had several options with production companies, but I haven't had any on um, in quite a while. I was instrumental in getting... Uh, rock stars or ex-wives who rock. I can't remember what they ended up going with the name up in Canada through my connections up there. But uh, I like doing it. I like producing it, but I can't watch it. You like making the sausage, but not actually. Yeah. Okay. Eating it. Yeah. I'm (laughs) like the vegan producer. Yeah. (laughs) I'll give it to you. I'll make it, but I'm not going to eat it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's too funny. I was thinking, so you, so you, that stretch you had doing reality TV and then getting behind the production end of it only, that lasted up through the era of social media a little bit, right? Because that really changed the game. You know what? I seriously did not consider that when we did our show because right at that time, they just started doing the message boards. And VH1 warned me and said, do not read them. They're just a bunch of really mean people. And I'm like, oh, no, it'll be funny. And then I was like, oh, my God. Like, they were calling me Butterface, which I didn't even know what that meant. I'm like, Butterface? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, you know, just a lot of mean things. But that is seriously one thing that I made a bad judgment, and that was putting my kids on that show. Um, we didn't plan on doing that show. So, you know, we were kind of oblivious to put our kid on because we didn't know we were going to end up doing that show. And I didn't really factor in. She was 10 at the time. She could get online and read everything people were saying about us. And that, that damaged her for sure. So 
I would caution people that have small children to put them on these kind of shows because it's, it's embarrassing for a child. You know, it really, really did damage her to have people saying the things they were saying and she could see it. How did you then work through that with her? Because she's older now. She's in her 20s, right? Yeah, she's in her 20s. Um, You know, we still talk about it. You know, she doesn't want me to really talk about her in the book. She has her own name, doesn't go by our last name with uh, her projects that she does. And, and I support that. You know, I feel guilty and I feel bad that I put my child through that. But I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that that was what we were going to end up doing. And then the second season we did to repair the first season, that was all supposed to be about him coming off a little better. And then, like I said, they started with that episode and it was like, oh boy, it's going to go downhill from here. And it did. Yes, it did. I know. Yeah, that's interesting. That was supposed to be his redemption tour, huh? Exactly. And it was like, uh, plane crash number two. <laughs> so Exactly. It was like the bigger bomb of the two. Yeah. I mean, not a bomb. It was, it was an explosive hit, but for him, oh man, that is, that is some rough stuff for children. And I think about that oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, cause a yes. lot of these women do have small children who are on these shows year after year after year. It's like, you see the children grow up on camera in some cases. Right. I mean, look at the, the one, the lady who just got out of prison. Teresa Judice yeah. is who and I was thinking of. Yep. Her children. I'm telling you, those kids are going to have some problems, you know, because you can't have people constantly attacking your parents and not be scarred by that. I agree. I wonder how they even manage to live any kind of normal lives. I, I guess they don't because, I mean, they, they have the additional prison stuff going on with their mom and dad. And they've yeah. one of them, one of those children has been on camera since she was literally born. Yeah. Now it's yeah. Eight years later. Yeah. So she's never known anything different. That's why. No. Well, Kate plus eight. I mean, there's so many that these kids get used to it and the special privileges. And then also when you take that away, that's got to be hard for them. Yeah, that's true, especially for the younger ones who don't know different. Now, your daughter, she knew she had a before and an after. So it was just a part of your life. But at least it didn't go on for a decade or something. That must be a whole different scenario. And my son was pretty much unscathed because he was five. He He didn't watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he, he knows a lot of things now because now that he's almost 17, he can read it. But it doesn't seem to have affected him in the same way it affected her, for sure. Right, because she was able to understand and read people's minds more. Yeah. So do you, I I wanted to touch on before we get into your book, because I want to talk about your book, your book that's coming out in June. Do you feel like, we, we touched on the idea of addiction and codependence, how that really was the central theme, I would say, of your show. Yes. Would you say that you feel like that affects you now today? Or was that really just part of your relationship with Danny? Uh, You know, I think clearly I am codependent. (laughs) I really do. Um, But I, I think that if you grow up in a really religious home, which I did, me too, you are so conditioned to uh, forgive, forgive, keep your marriage together And then you get stamped with this codependency label, which again, I am. Okay, yes. But I also think I'm also a kind and compassionate human being as much as I'm that, you know, and I had so much compassion and love for this man 
you know, that I was trying to help him. Yeah. And I saw that. And like I said, I, I related to you because I have similar family of origin dynamics. And I agree with you when you have, I don't know if it's guilt or if it's a real conviction, but when you're raised to really believe like I should forgive and do anything and turn the other cheek, those are Mm -hmm. considered admirable qualities. You're taught that those are values, you know, like core values. And then you're right. You do get slapped with this label of being codependent if you do it too much. But I guess that's when, and like you realized, and many women do, it's to your own detriment after a while, you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, for me, even more so because I really could handle him pretty well. Um, but I had to realize it wasn't fair for my children. And when I was watching Dr. Phil and he said, children would rather be from a bad situation than in one. And I was like, Oh my God, I am keeping my children in a bad situation. I'm making a choice for me because I can deal with this, but that's not fair to them. And that was ultimately what made me go. Which is true for a lot of women. I think. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's weird how sometimes religion can victimize you in a way because you just want to do the right thing and be the supportive wife and help someone who's in trouble. And yeah, so, so I, I think all those things are true about me, but that it is what it is. You know, I'm not going to apologize that I helped keep someone alive and helped when we got married, we had nothing. He was living paycheck to paycheck. Four months into our uh, marriage, he got arrested in Phoenix for picking up a transvestite. And I didn't leave because I loved him and was trying to help him, you know. And um, so then after years, we had a family. He was cleaning up. He was now being taken more seriously. He now had a show with Clark. I saw the benefits that he was trying to get better. And he saw great things were happening to him. And I certainly didn't want someone else to benefit from my hard work, <laughs> you know, like, Oh yeah, yeah now I'm going to go that he's uh, got a TV show and now he's cleaned up and let someone else have him. Now that was not going to happen. Oh yeah. I know there's, Oh my God. That's so funny. One of my best friends and I talk about that. It's like, yeah, you groom them, you get them all cleaned up and then you send them out there to somebody else. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. Well, when uh, he was having, uh, an affair, which I talk about in the book. And he moved a girl down the street from us. And I had no idea, Aaron, no idea for nine months. Yeah. Because he was working all the time. He was doing a radio show. He was doing, um, a, uh, uh, the TV show with Dick Clark and he was doing voice. He was just gone all the time. So it didn't seem weird when he was gone because he was just gone. And um, we that that was the situation we were addressing in Breaking Bonaduce, by the way, was that particular situation. Really? Yep. And that is why, for, I guess it was going on just like picking up people here and there, not, not actual affairs, but until the internet, I couldn't catch him. And I was not willing to leave my marriage over something I thought was happening, but I couldn't prove, you know, and until the internet and cell phones, I was getting gaslit a lot. I think that's the term they use, right? Yeah, Where yeah, you go, absolutely. Hey, you know, I think something's happening here. And then it's like, no, oh my gosh, I would never do that to you. You're crazy. And then you're like, oh my God, am I crazy? Maybe I'm, cra-. you know what I mean? Yes. Like that was happening. And up until I actually caught him, And then I had to address it, you know, because then I knew for sure I'm not crazy. This is happening. And um, so I decided that 
the one thing I was going to make sure of was that she was not going to be stepmother to my children. And that also made me hang in there for a while. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to make sure this one's gone because, you know, I was not going to have that. Somebody that would be that disrespectful to me was not going to have anything to do with my kids. So she moved in down the street from your family and this is what you discovered. Yep. Wow. Yep. That yeah, is and very creepy. It, it was. It was really a, a, just such a slap in the face to me, you know, that I had tried so hard to help this man and put up with so much that that was going to be the way he repaid me. And I almost couldn't believe it, you know, until I actually saw it with my own eyes. I just couldn't believe somebody would pay me back like that. Right. It, it kind of really highlights the selfishness of addiction and narcissism. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. But, you know, um, also he had a lot of great qualities. I mean, Danny is incredibly smart. And I mean, clearly, it's hard for me to say he loved me because to me, you don't do those things. But I think he did as best he could, you know, and I think he loved our kids. And it was just, you know, a lot for me to finally have to go. This is if I don't get out of here now in six months, I'm going to be in the exact same boat. And I had to just go, you know, I really had to have some dignity and go, you know, what? I've done so much for you. And now I'm getting out of this and doing something for me and for our kids. Right. And break the pattern, you know, because mm -hmm. you're right. You just do it again. Do you. So let's let's launch from there then into your book, because I know you write about your experiences. Do, is it a whole life memoir? What do you call it this book? Uh, I am calling the book surviving agent orange and other things I learned from being thrown under the partridge family bus. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's the subtitle. Um, and the title is when we did that show that I was telling you about, um, I know my kids, the next child star. One of the names we threw out was surviving agent orange because the whole concept was we were looking for the best parent and the best child to help. Like we, we didn't want to stage mom so, you know, if we saw that or stage dad, we were going to eliminate them, even if their kid was talented, because we wanted a parent that was going to be good for the child to put them in showbiz. Right. So um, that was one of the names we threw out. And then it just became code between my assistant and I for Danny. Like Agent Orange is entering the house. Agent Orange is driving <laughs> up the driveway. So, so that's what the title is about. It sounds meaner than it is, but that was really the origin of it. It's really funny. It's really funny. On whatever level people take it, it works. So, yeah. so what is it? How do you go about writing it? I mean, what did you put in there? Give us the highlights. Uh, well, first of all, I never thought I could write a book. It's kind of not easy to do. So I thought about maybe getting a ghostwriter. And then my greed overtook that. I'm like, wait a second, I'm going to have to pay somebody. So I'm just going to sit my ass down and write this book. And so that's what I did. I would go to the zoo. I would sit there with my iPad. I would uh, sit at my pool. So I just was very disciplined. And I just wrote. Like if I got stuck on a story, I'd switch to another story just to write and write and write. And, you know, going back now because we're in edits and reading some of the things that I wrote, I wrote some pretty stupid things. <laughs> but but that's like, okay. Oh. You're writing. That The way yeah. you write is just to write. I think that's awesome you did it yourself. I, I did. So, um, and you know, then even if I couldn't figure out exactly what I wanted to say, I would say something so that I could go back and think about it and put in more what I actually meant. So it was, uh, it was a lot. And you know, I've had such an amazing 
amazing life. I have been so blessed and so lucky. I have so many wonderful friends. I've been all over the world. I have my two amazing, wonderful kids. Like I am contributing to great people to society. If I do nothing else in the world, I did that. So um, I just talk about a lot of things about, I lived in Germany for a while. So I talk about that and I dated a, a famous comic. Uh, so I talked about that before I was married to Danny. He, he wasn't really that famous then. Um, uh, I talk about just a lot of things, um, how weird it is in Hollywood. You know, just, I've been on Dr. Phil. I've been on Oprah. I talk about meeting Princess Diana in the book. So, I mean, I have just had a pretty yeah. amazing life. And I wanted to write this book that it didn't matter that it was me because I knew I didn't have a big enough fan base for people to care, you know, which now, of course, people that love Danny are pointing out all, all over the place. Who cares about you? you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so I was trying just to write a book that people would go, Oh, this looks like an interesting book. And then it turns out it's me, you know, so that's kind of where I was coming from with this book. I wanted to write a good book that wouldn't matter. I kind of feel like it's more um, Bridget Jones diary than it is a, or a uh, tell all. And to me, when you say a tell all book, that just sounds like your intentions are mean already, you it know, does. And, and it does. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. So it's kind of like your experiences. It's, it's, it's experiences through a particular lens that happens to be yours. Yes. Yes. So all I can hope is that a couple of people will review it and like it. And then other people who might not be interested in me, who people keep pointing out a lot. It's ridiculous. Hey, maybe this is a good book. People <laughs> just go out of their way to be really mean. It's just unbelievable. It's for me, it's fun to like comment on silly things like, sh yeah. like shows being number one for me, but to get personal and say people don't like you, who does that? I don't know, but uh, I, I get it a lot. So so it's out there. But, you know, you have to have a hate factor. We all know that if everyone loves you, you're milk toast. So if some people True. hate me, fine. You know, um, there's nothing I can do about it. But I, I do feel if you know me and you don't like me, I take that seriously. Like, I will give your opinion validity. But if you don't know me and you don't like me, I really don't care what you think. You don't really know me. So. <laughs> That's a great attitude. That's a wonderful attitude to have, especially when you're in the spotlight, because there are millions of people who don't know you who think they do. Yes. I mean, I feel bad for the Kardashians. I don't know how they withstand that hate. That's a lot of hate. It's a lot of hate. I guess they, they just have that the money to uh, make up for it. You know, money sometimes can buy you some peace. Maybe. I don't know. For sure. I think I, I heard there was a saying, uh, money doesn't buy happiness, but it makes really great Kleenex. I think that's true. <laughs> that's so true. So tell us, are you going to be on a book tour? How are we going to, your book comes out June 12th? 12th. 12th. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's 12th. available where? Amazon? Amazon. Um, and then I'm not even sure. Like we just started putting it out there. My greatest wish would be the airports. I really hope it's in the airport places that that'd be awesome to walk into the uh the airport and stand next to the book and go hee hee that's me <laughs> that's right i know with a, next to a glass window with a plane behind you yeah yes. you gotta get that shot. stand there and not say anything and see if anyone goes hey that's you <laughs> <laughs> totally take selfies with people if they walk past it yeah well, maybe I'll do it and they don't know. I'll just stand there and take selfies of people looking at the book and post all of them. <laughs>
do what you have to do. Well, you do you think you might come to some cities though? I think it's all going to depend on how it does. I'm really hoping that I, hope you do. I do. I've lived in so many cities that I have a lot of friends in a lot of different cities who have all vowed that they will drag their friends asses down there for me. So, That's so I'm going to have yes. to kind of count on, on that and then hope again that other people that don't give a rat's ass about me will go, wow, this book is kind of funny or this book's really interesting or whatever they may think. You know, I think it's going to be great. I mean, people are definitely interested in that kind of book for summer reads. So what a great launch date. Yes. Well, I left that up to them because they know better than I. And I just now just go, whatever you guys think. My editor, who's sending me stuff right now, he goes, you know, this is your book and you can do whatever you want. So you can accept my change or delete the change. And I just went through it, accept it. I go, you know more than I do. I'm not going to question you. (laughs) Right. It's like, that's why you're the editor. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I maybe fought him on one thing and the rest uh, are actually two things. One was a small thing. And then the other day I'm like, dude, I'm so going to disagree with you on this because um, I, I don't know if maybe he's just tired of editing my book. So now he's like, no more chapters, no more chapters. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it's, it's ended. It's over. Yes. Yeah. Like this, you might be the most uneducated person, <laughs> the way. <laughs> but I just, like I said, I wrote and wrote, I didn't care about punctuation. I didn't care if my tenses were, I just wrote. And I figured that's what, you know, they're there for. They'll make me look smart and not like an idiot. And that's their job. <laughs> that's their job. That's that's why they're getting paid to do what they do. And you're, exactly. and no one can have your stories. I feel like anyone can write if anyone has a story and no one has your story, you know? So that's the cool thing about anyone writing. Yeah. Yeah. No one, if people are going to go, you know what? I don't want your story. <laughs> yeah. And that, and guess what? It's not required reading. I always think about that. It's like, if, if you're not liking something you see or read or whatever, it's like, Hey, it's not required. Love it. Yeah. If you love it. I hope so. I really hope people enjoy the read. And I think they it's a will. lot about Hollywood and what a weird, weird place and a sad place, but also in a cool place. Like how fun to get to go to the Emmys and go to all the parties. You know, I have done Hollywood the way everyone would want to do it. You know, when you come here, you hope you get to go to all these great parties and meet all these people. And I got to do it that way. How can I ever be sad about that? That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I, for one, will be buying the book. And if I can- Oh, I love you. Yeah, of course. (laughs) If I can pre-order it, that would be even better. I don't know if you're going to have pre-ordering, but I will link up all of your Amazon information and the book information on the show notes. So everyone go there, click on it, and you can see when it's available and when you can order. You can now. It is up for pre-order. So- so that'll make me look really cool if all your listeners um, buy it and maybe make them go, wow, we didn't make a mistake letting her put out a book. There you go. Oh, my dog is barking. This is Hi, puppy. You know, the end of the end of every show. It's so funny. It's like he can make it for 45 minutes and then a mailman comes. It's ridiculous. Yes. I can't believe I've been able to keep my three quiet. I have three rescues. and Aww. Yeah. That's so sweet. Well, tell us where to follow you on social media before we hang up. Okay, Facebook, I am under Gretchen Bonaducci. Same with Instagram. Twitter, I'm at Ankh Singer, A-N-K-H, Ankh Singer. Um, And I think that's all I have right now. I think I have a fan page, but there's only like 10 people on it because I really don't do much with it. But I need to start doing that. Uh, But uh, I, I run my own Facebook. So if you actually write me, that's me writing you back. I try to write everyone that 
contacts me. That's amazing. I love that you do that. Well, I will be yeah. following you on there. I'll be following you everywhere. And I'm going to link all that up in the show notes too. So everybody check out Gretchen and we are going to be hopefully connecting with you again. I would love to talk to you when the book actually comes out and we can. Oh, maybe... I would love that. Okay. That would be fa- And I'm going to pre-order, so I'll have it right away. And I would like to have it read. And next time we talk, we can talk details. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I'm loving it. Let's do it. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> Gretchen, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was so much fun to talk to you. You too. And you're, you're helping me get ready, so thank you. Yay. All right. <laughs> I'll talk to you again soon. All right, sweetie. Take All right. care. You too. Bye. Bye. 